Welcome to Family Tech Talk, the show that helps you be the tech expert of your home. From interviews with lifestyle experts on how they use technology to tech tips and the latest news. No matter what your skill level is with Family Tech Talk, you can be the person all your friends and family go to for tech advice. Let's get right into today's episode. Hello and welcome to Family Tech, where you get to be the tech expert of your home. I don't know if it started with the T9 texting back in the day or what, but grammar, etiquette, manners seem to be an afterthought when it comes to technology. Absolutely. So now I wanted to bring Brooke Romney on the show to help us understand modern manners because she literally wrote the book on it. So, Brooke, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Well, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. I am a writer and a community leader, and I love teenagers. They're kind of my favorite group of people. I see so much excitement and potential um, and just a real um, zest for life in teens. I love their honesty. Um, I love that they have so many opportunities at their fingertips right now. Um, I am also a mom of four boys and I have been through uh, three teenagers and have a tween, an 11-year-old coming up, and just really love sharing some things that I've learned from mistakes and good things that we've done. I got really passionate about helping teens figure out how to be more successful when I saw some of the really small, nuanced social manners that were missing. And realized how the teens that understood those social norms, who understood how to interact, who understood how to have a relationship, how much more successful they were, and in turn, how much more confident they were. And I feel really passionate about giving that opportunity to all teens. And so I've written two books for them, 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens, Volume 1 and Volume 2, that give short, uh, doable, practical strategies for helping them be more engaged in their life and also have um, manners and social norms that help others want to engage with them. And what I love about that, 52, there's 52 weeks in the year. You can concentrate yes. on one every week. And, you know, by the end of the year, hopefully you've gotten a, a little bit more well-mannered child, right? Right, right. And, and it's funny because it says modern manners. And I like to emphasize, you know, this isn't like which fork to use at dinner. <laughs> um, these are like daily things that, you wish your kid knew. And honestly, probably they wish they knew too. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think that like poor technology habits are causing a decline in like general manners and etiquette? So I think that it was a catalyst because what happened is when we were growing up, we didn't have the option to zone out. Our only option was to observe the world around us. And so we watched our parents interact. We watched how they interacted with other people. We were going into the store with them because you didn't want to stay home. There was nothing to do. Um, we watched how they talked to their friends and how they interacted with grocery store clerks. And because of that, we learned a lot of things truly by osmosis, just by being present. And I think when cell phones came out, when tablets came out and kids had the opportunity to not have to engage, to not have to observe, they missed a lot of learning opportunities. And because of that, I think it's really important that we deliberately teach them these things because it's always interesting to me. We feel fine about our kids doing something, doing something, doing something until they hit a certain age. And then we think, why are you doing that? And then if we, you know, self-reflect, we realize we've never taught that. And they probably haven't had as many opportunities to observe and take it in as we thought they did. Yeah, that's so interesting. I've never really thought of it that way. You know, is when I was a kid, you'd hear your parents like pick up the phone, talking on the phone to people, and you just don't even see like even that interaction anymore because parents are texting instead of calling. You know, you're not really observing that anymore. So that's so interesting. Well, and, and you bring that up. And a lot of the things that we're doing socially and etiquette wise are, like you said, unseen through texting, through emails, you know, and and our parents did a lot of things in person. They didn't have those options. And so we got to watch a lot of things in person and we don't do as many things in person. I mean, we can DoorDash. We don't even sometimes have to show them how to order at a restaurant and all those things. So being deliberate so that they feel confident and prepared when they are all of a sudden in adult situations 
we don't want them to be floundering and we don't want them to make egregious mistakes that they, you know, have a hard time getting back from or that make them feel like they don't belong or they're not confident. Um, those are really important. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, so what do you think are some things that would have been completely unacceptable 30 years ago that like almost seem commonplace now? Um, I think being able to answer a question like from an adult. Yeah. A lot of kids just literally don't know what to say. You know, they're just like, I don't know. For example, in, in one of my Modern Manners books, it says, know yourself. Says when someone asks you what you like to do or what you're into, have an answer. It says there's no right answer and you can take some time to figure it out, but you should have an answer. And I think a lot of times, anytime a kid is asked any question, they don't know what to say. And so, you know, prepping them and I have a fun story about that manner. Um, there was a family that was using the book and they had just done the know yourself. And she had a six-year-old who she didn't think was really paying attention. You know, it wasn't really about him. Um, but they were at the grocery store and the clerk asked him, what, what do you like to do? And he had an answer. And as they were leaving the store, he's like, mom, I know myself. And he was so excited and so confident. And um, those are some of the things that I think we're missing. You know, that is something that I think you know, kids could really use some help with. I think introducing yourself, that's the first manner in the first book. Yeah. A lot of kids go into a new situation and and just choose to stay uncomfortable, choose to not know anyone um, instead of something really simple, like being in, able to introduce yourself, like, hey, I'm Brooke, I don't think we've met yet. And that's, that's a skill that you can use for your entire life. Um, yeah. There's, you know, there's a few others that are more nuanced. One of them, is don't put down what others love. Like, if you want to have friends, you can't be a jerk every time they say something that they like. Um, that creates distance between you and the person. They don't feel connected. They don't want to share things with you. So there's a lot of smaller manners that I think maybe parents would have seen their kids do or they would have watched their parents, you know, not do those things. Or maybe a parent would have been in enough social interactions with them that when they did it, they were able to correct them. But a lot of our teenagers' interactions are also private. So they're interacting online. We don't get the chance to correct as often as maybe we did or even just to give insight. Well, and a lot of these manners are things that sometimes even adults have forgotten. I mean, every time I flip a manner and I wrote the book, I'm reminded of something that I'm maybe not doing as well as I could and, and that maybe I would want to model better for my kids. Yeah, for sure. That brings up an interesting point um, where you are not really um, the, the whole like put down what, other, what others love. Sometimes you can find yourself in this echo chamber, um, especially like on social media where like everybody agrees with you and you're not really kind of seeing those other points of view and other perspectives. And so you're not like getting to practice that interaction where you're like, hey, I can respect that you have a different point of view than I do um, and, and being able to model that for your kids. Yeah, that's, that's something that I haven't really thought of either is that it is really easy to just surround ourselves with people that think and act and do the way we want to. But in all honesty, that is not how the world is going to work when our kids go into the workplace and all of a sudden find that the people they haven't chosen, you know, they didn't get to choose all their coworkers. They all think and believe and like different things than they do. Some of these manners are especially important um, to be able to relate to people and to be able to be kind and to be able to not create contention or a difficult work environment. And so learning these early and no one's going to be perfect about it. There's going to be things that we all do that, you know, we just can't help but say, why? Why do you do that? Why do you like that? But um, the manner gives people other options. Um, so it says, instead, you could ask why someone enjoys that. So I think it gives an example of if somebody likes baseball, but you don't love baseball, you could say, oh, tell me what you like about it. What position do you play? You actually don't have to share a rude opinion all the time. Right. <laughs> Weird. I know. Crazy. Um, so your book has 52 modern manners for today's teens. What is your absolute favorite? Of, I mean, now you have two books, so you technically yeah. have 104. Favorite technology-based one of all 104? Okay, so my favorite technology-based manner is absolutely nothing online is private. Yes. <laughs> this, 
I mean, if anyone has had a kid who just starts using cell phone, this is this can be a very difficult lesson to learn if they are not very aware of it. And even those who are aware sometimes still make mistakes and learn it the hard way. But one of the things that I think could save a lot of heartache, especially before kids start on a cell phone journey, is understanding that nothing online is private, even if it disappears on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Even if you're texting it to your very best friend and she says she's not going to tell anyone or show anyone, everything can be screenshot. Nothing is private. And people don't always have your best interest at heart in the long term. Maybe someone loves you right now and they would never share that secret. But when you get in a fight six months down the road and she screenshot that and she sends it out to the people you said you can't stand, you know, that is such an important manner. And, and in the manner, it says if you're not comfortable with your parents, their parents, you know, a teacher, a future employer seeing it, don't post it. And I think that could just save so much heartache if they understood. Yeah, absolutely. I get so many comments on my uh, YouTube channel from kids, you know, basically telling me I'm the worst, but that, you know, kids deserve privacy and everything. And I always come back with, you don't have privacy. I don't have privacy. Like even me as an adult, I don't have any privacy online because exactly what you said, somebody could screenshot it. Somebody could you know, share it with somebody that I didn't intend for it. Even if I think it's going to disappear, it's not. It lives forever. It's written in pen. So yeah, I love to talk about that. That would be one of my favorites as well, because the the kids today really, really need to understand that private is not private online. Yeah, that's probably my number one technology matter. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Uh, so you recently wrote a post about keeping your phone on silent. I loved it. Um, and my phone's always on silent, no matter like, like even when I'm home during the day. Um, but uh, I love that you included not having public conversations or blasting the thing that you're watching. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, this one is a fun manner because I actually think it, I got a lot of feedback from teens and they were like, this matter is actually for my parents and my grandparents. Yeah. We don't do this. Right. And I, you know, I have to give them props. I would say of all the groups of people, teenagers are probably the best at not having their phone loud and for everyone else to hear. But it is a really good reminder for parents or grandparents and for teens that no one wants to hear what is going on on your phone. I mean, maybe unless it's a really juicy conversation. <laughs> and then they're just like, and then they're just quietly listening and you don't want them to listen to that. But um, just the ability to have some self-control. If it's not appropriate um, where you're at, if there are people around you, there's other options. You can wait until later. You can listen on silent. Um, you can throw headphones in. I was at a basketball game and there was a parent who was just facetiming and having a full-on conversation at the basketball game and i was like can i give you like i wanted to give her some headphones you know it just it's just not an appropriate place for you to have your own conversation one of the things about this book is i think it teaches awareness we are not existing alone in this world there are all kinds of people around us and and we need to be cognizant of them and and of their experience too um there's another one that talks about uh, texting in a movie or in a play. Like there are appropriate times for you to have your phone screen brightened and, and doing those things. You're disrupting those who've paid good money to watch a play or go to a movie when you're on your phone. If, if you don't want to see the movie, you know, go ahead and exit. If, if what's on your phone is that much more important or interesting, I'd save the $9 and not go to the movie, you know? Yeah. So, so just keeping those things you know, and sometimes for parents, you know, it's like, well, this is important and, and that can't happen. And then there's great ways to excuse yourself and, and go take care of a conversation, you know, go to the restroom, go outside, jump in your car. Um, there's lots of options for us to be considerate technology users and also be able to do the things that are important to us. Yeah, for sure. It, when you brought that up where the basketball game, it reminded me recently I was at a movie theater and I like went to the bathroom and literally a lady is having a full on conversation in the bathroom. So 
I'm like, really? Like, right? I, I can hear both sides of the conversation. Oh. And I'm like, on microphones. Wow. Yes. Okay. Hilarious. I'm like, really? That's insane to me. But yeah, like, you know, hey, can I give you some headphones or something? Right. Can I help? Maybe no. wait until you're done going to the bathroom. Right. To finish your conversation. At least not on speakerphone, right? <laughs> yeah, I was blown away because I mean, I've heard people on the phone in the bathroom before, and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a little weird. But like, this one took the cake. I'm like, yeah, wow, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, so why do you think it's more common to have conversations on speakerphone these days? I mean, I see people walking around town just like holding their phone right here, all over the place. Like, yeah. Why, why do you think this is a thing? You know what? I would love for someone who studies this to let us know because it's so interesting. I do think that as people get older, sometimes it's hard for them to hear like straight on their ear. I do know that that can be an issue that it's a little easier like when it when the volume's projected. So if you're older and have hearing issues, maybe I could understand that. But yeah, I'm not sure why, except honestly, just a disregard for other people. Like you, you really think that you're the only person in the space and that it doesn't matter to anyone else. So that's the only thing that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that does. And you know, I, I, I don't feel this way, but my husband, um, he's a, I, w- I wouldn't say an aggressive driver, but somewhat an aggressive driver. <laughs> um, and he is, he gets driven crazy. Like that everyone's just in their own world. Like, okay. and that's what he, and I mean, I probably do the same thing when I'm driving. I'm just kind of in my own world. He's like, but he's like, you're not aware of like, you know, these people on the other side where you're trying to like merge over and things like that, just like kind of blinders on. And so that might be, you know, a a more pervasive issue. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, even there's one of the manners says stay to the right. Like if you are walking, you don't walk down the middle of the street. So no cars can get by. And a lot of times it's because headphones are in or people are looking at their phone, but you know, just being courteous and aware. And I think as we teach our kids these simple things, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it will be a big deal if we can all do just a little bit better. And as our teens are those people who are aware, there's matter in the first book called Pitch In. And it says, if everyone's working, you shouldn't be sitting. If you're at a friend's house and they're feeding you dinner, ask if you can chop a vegetable, put your plate in the dishwasher when it's finished. Um, those types of things are things that allow teens to be well-liked by parents, which means getting invited, which means feeling like you're connected, which means feeling good about yourself. All those, it's, it's really a domino effect. I like to call it a positive feedback loop. When our kids start implementing some of these manners, they, others notice, they feel good about themselves and it's not, they feel good about themselves because they got an A on a paper because they want to track me. They feel good about themselves because of who they are. And I, and I really love that. Yeah, that really translates, I think, into a more self-confident person because, you know, yeah, you are a lot more well-liked when you behave properly. It is. It, it's true. And we would like to say that, oh, it doesn't matter, but, but it does. People want to be around people who are aware, who are kind, who are responsive, um, and who are confident. And that confidence really can come as you see yourself being successful over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So we kind of touched on this a little bit, but like, you know, us kids, we're all communicating more over apps. So how do we kind of teach them that like proper grammar and language is still important? I mean, I back to the T9 thing, you know, when we had very limited <laughs> access yeah. to a whole keyboard, you know, it was fine for like you are and, you know, shortening things. But I mean, we have a full keyboard now. So what, what can we do here? I think my best advice for that is that um, teens and adults need to know their audience. I think it's really important. I think that's probably one of the most important things that we can teach our kids is when you're texting with your grandma, there's an, there's an appropriate way to text with your grandma. And that's going to be different than texting with your best friend. I will never win a battle in telling my kids to not use abbreviations and to use periods and capital letters in their text with their friends. That is that's a battle I will never win. <laughs> but I do think that helping them understand that if you're uh, getting back to a boss, if you're texting with grandma, um, if you're texting someone 
that is important. A, a teacher, could you please um, let me know when my recommendation will be done? Like those are important times to be professional, to be correct, to use punctuation, to use capitalization. That's important. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gray there in helping our kids understand that who you are with one person is it can be different than who you need to be with someone else on a text straight now. And I think that I think that's a good compromise. Um, there's also a manner that says um, state your name, like when you're texting. So a lot of times you'll get a random text. Sometimes it's very kind. And you have no idea who it's from because maybe you're not someone that constantly, you know, refreshes your contacts. And so that's another manner to say, hey, you know, this is Parker from second period English. Were you able to get my recommendation finished? Um, thanks so much. You know, things like that. So those yeah. are some other really good texting manners that can be helpful. In and I love that you are still kind of allowing them to have their personality, especially like with their friends and things like that. You're like, I'm not going to manage your grammar when you're texting with your bestie. But, you know, when you're texting with somebody professional or your grandma, you know, let's let's use a little more proper. I think that's a great compromise. Yeah, I think it works because sometimes they'll tell me, like, stop using periods. And, you know, it sounds rude when you text with a period like you're mad. They're like, well, we're going to compromise on that, too, because. I'm still going to use period because that's just who I am. I, I'm, like I'm a writer. Major. I'm yeah. a writer. I, I don't know if I can physically just have a run on sentence to you. So, so, we, so they compromise with me too. So a uh, total side tangent. As a writer, are you still um, having a hard time with two spaces after a period? Or have you like removed that from your system? Yeah, I, I embraced that a while ago. So I wrote for a newspaper for a long time. And and they were already to the one space. So oh, nice. I, I could jump on that bandwagon pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I still like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> I'm okay. Just one. Yeah. Just yeah. one. Just one. It's fine. Totally. That's fun. Um, so what kind of rules do you have for your own kids around technology? Like interacting with other people, putting phones down. Like what are some of your top rules in your house? Um, so one of my... One of my rules is we just go slowly. So we're not in a rush to get a phone, to get a smartphone. And um, so far, people have been okay. I mean, there's lots of begging and wanting, but I think they've realized, especially my ones that are older, they realize the gift that that's been. One of the things that they have said is that allowed them to develop other sides of their personality that maybe like they didn't feel as included or as cool or whatever in middle school, but because they kind of figured themselves out, they had a lot more confidence um, going into those later years. So going slow, um, I have an 11-year-old chomping at the bit. And, <laughs> sure. uh, he's, he's got a gab watch that works out just, just great for now, but yes, yes he, would love, he would love a smartphone. <laughs> um, so that's one of the things. And Another thing that we really try to do is a lot of self-evaluation on like, how are you doing with your phone? Do you feel like you're spending too much time on there? And then once they get to the point where they have, you know, more apps, maybe a social media app, um, what we do is we really like to have open conversations where, how are you doing with that? Is it too much? Do you need a break? So I like to be on their team. So they know that me and my husband's role is to help them live their most successful life. And sometimes that is going to include technology and sometimes that's going to include a break in technology. Yeah. And we want them to be able to come to us when that time comes. If it's too much to have the internet with the entire world open at your fingertips, awesome. We can take that off with screen time. Um, if you're having a hard time <laughs> managing your screen time and you need me to take it down and make sure the passcode is something you don't know, that's something that we do. And so that obviously with, is with older kids. Um, with younger kids, you know, as you start to get a phone, we like to take baby steps, really. So one small thing, make sure it's something you can manage and, and then move on. Um, if there's ever anything that my kids like they can't handle online, whether it's a conversation that is feeling awkward or going somewhere they don't want it to go, or whether it's someone that's following them or making you know, comments that aren't working for them. You know, we want to make sure that they see us as people that they can come to and we can sort those things out. Um, 
having phones away during mealtimes, having phone free time, um, really keeping good tabs on how much screen time is being used and, and then kind of reevaluating. So does that mean you need more to do? Does that mean you need something else that's engaging? Um, does that mean we need to just start like putting them away earlier at night? Whatever that is. So, so we really like to try and problem solve for whatever situation we're in. Um, but I think the main thing that I'm happiest about is going slowly. So th- the phone is a wide open world and a 11 year old is not ready for yeah. that. And a 14 year old is not ready for that. You know, <laughs> so there's steps I think that we can take. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I usually talk about, um, you know, different technology steps. You know, I'm not a big like age person where... Right. Like, you know, they get a phone or whatever at this specific age, it's more of a readiness thing. Like, okay, we've used this technology. Like, so for you, like the Gab Watch, um, you know, this listener to you also um, using the Gab Watch. So um, like doing something like that and then stepping to like the next level, like maybe a kid safe phone and then yep. stepping to the next level, you know, but like you need to show me. So my my son, actually, we used the Verizon um, uh gizmo watch um, yes with, yeah. with my son when, yeah when he was younger and you know he like wanting a, a phone and and I'm like you're not bringing your watch places so you're not getting a phone until you're actually using your watch properly so yep. you know it's definitely a a process you know yeah. as they step through that okay yes you have shown me that you're ready we can go on to the next step so um I, yeah. I love what you've been there that's how we do it. And I also really love the fact that we reserve the right to go back a step. You know, yes. it's not like, okay, I let you have social this social media app and now you never, you can have it for the rest of your life. It's like, everything's a trial period. How's it going? How do you like it? And I think it's really important for our kids to be in tune with, you know, how is this making me feel? Does this make me feel more connected? Because the social media app should make you feel more connected, not less connected. So is it doing its job? You know, am I following people and accounts that that feel like they're bringing me up and lifting me? Or is it something that's sucking me in? We talk a lot about um, algorithms and yes. the way that social media apps work and what they want you to do, not just apps, but games and, and you know, their purpose and making sure that our kids realize, um, you know, I say, you are not smarter than an app. You're <laughs> not smarter than an algorithm. Like, right. you can't beat that. And yeah. so anytime we need to pull back or have some controls or say, okay, like this one, we thought this one was a great one. It's no longer working, you know, that we, we reserve the right to kind of regroup and figure out what really is working best. Yeah. Last week I, I spoke with Anna McFarlane on our live and uh, we kind of said something similar where, you know, don't be afraid to say, hey, I made a mistake allowing this. Um, you're not ready. And we need to pull it back. Like, yeah, you know, put the onus back on yourself where you're like, hey, this was my fault. I, I, I shouldn't have allowed this yet. You know, maybe I didn't do enough research or I didn't know yeah. how you would react, you know. So don't be afraid to like pull that back and say, I made a mistake. You know, we need to limit this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of parents will tell me, well, we already did this. Right. You know, and, and I think that's the best way to say is, you know, I didn't have all the information or yeah. I didn't do enough research or I didn't know that you would react this way to getting this app. Yeah. This isn't serving you. Let's pull back and let's see if you're ready in six months or in a year, you know, whatever that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then kind of back to your other point of like these conversations, you know, my daughter, she was struggling with a, a few things in school. And came to me, she's like, hey, um, I'm going to disable, I think it was Instagram or maybe it was YouTube on my phone for like two weeks. You know, can you tell me I'm grounded and I'll just disable it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're grounded. (laughs) Perfect. She's Uh, 17. So like, you know, I've kind of opened up the uh, the parental controls on her because she's going to be 18, like literally in two months. Right. And so so she's basically managing herself at this point. So. You know, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, do you need me to like install something to like disable? She goes, no, I'll, I'll just go in and disable it myself, you know. And so I, 
I love that we got to that point where we're having these conversations. She realizes, hey, I'm not getting my work done because I'm spending too much time here and I need to pull that back, you know, on her own. Yeah. And I think even modeling that as a parent saying, you know what, I'm going to take Instagram off my phone this week or on vacation. You say, I want to be fully present. You know, we went on a on a really fun trip and my teens had their phone and my husband like just mostly while we were driving places. And my husband was like, no way. I paid way too much money to get all of us here. Like, right. put your phones away and look out the window. And it's yeah. okay for us to have some of those parameters of saying, like, you know, modeling that. And then that doesn't mean that I can be on my phone in the front seat scrolling Instagram. It's like, this is an experience we're having together, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. everyone in the house. And I, I like what you said there because a lot of people, too, that, you know, people, I say, a lot of the kids that comment on my YouTube videos are like, how would you feel? And I'm like, yeah, these rules are for everybody in this house. Like, it's not just something I'm like instilling in my kids. The internet shuts down at a specific time every night, whether that's for my teenager or whether that's for me, you know, that's across the board. And like, I think it's important, as you're saying, to model that behavior, you know, like, okay, everybody off their phones, but oh, wait here, like I need to do something on Instagram really quick, you know, that kind of sets a bad example. Yeah. And, and also, um, helping them understand what you're using your phone for and, and then being okay when they use their phone, you know, they're like, Hey, I'm updating my availability at work or whatever that is. Awesome. That's important to do on your phone. Yeah. Um, but then being honest with ourselves, whether because I work on Instagram, so whether I'm working or whether I'm scrolling, like I have to be honest about that too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so back to, let's head back over to manners for a bit. Um, what is a common etiquette rule that parents are forgetting to teach their kids these days? Well, I think there are a lot of them and, and me included, truly. Right. Um, yeah. But one of, the, one of the rules that people have especially appreciated is being a good passenger in a car. So especially if you are a younger teen and you are getting rides from a lot of people, uh, they were finding that a lot of teens would get in their car and then just get right on their phone and then just get out of the car. And as much as I love to drive my teens, I'm not getting paid for that or to pick up their friends. <laughs> and, and so etiquette would say, you get in the car, you say hello, you maybe ask, uh, how are you doing? How's your date going? Right. And then when you leave, you absolutely say thanks for the ride and you shut the door. Like those are some things that you would think would be very, very simple. Um, but a lot of teens aren't doing that. They're just, they, phones give um, an opportunity to get out of an uncomfortable situation. And maybe you don't know the mom or maybe you don't know what to say, you know, those types of things. Um, another manner, so that one was from volume one. One that goes along with it is from volume two. And it talks about how, how to be a good conversationalist. And this is a manner that I think people of all ages can use. And it says, if someone asks you a question, you answer the question and then you ask the question back. So conversation should be two-sided. And I think it's really helpful for our kids to know that even if they're speaking with an adult and the adult says, hey, you know, what's your, what's your favorite food? You don't just say tacos and you're silent. You right. say tacos, like what's yours? And that starts a conversation. And so I think both of those manners kind of go hand in hand where an uncomfortably conversation becomes less, it becomes more comfortable when you get off your phone and then you practice some of those manners that you know. And not only that, but then the person giving you a ride the next time you need one is super happy to go pick you up and have you in their car and take you out of their way to your house. Um, They really, all of these manners in the end, really end up benefiting the person that's using them. Yeah, that's so true. And I have, that's one thing I really haven't even thought of, you know, we do act a little bit like um, that we're like in an Uber, you know, when yeah. we're when we're in someone else's car because, you know, just like it's just easier to just, you know, pull up your phone and start scrolling and and ignore what's going on in, in the car. But yeah, I, I love that. And, and it's an and it's a manner that we can start teaching really young. And, and when kids I have so my son who's 11, he has a friend that we, you know, he's been in our car a bunch of times, but probably as early as nine, he would just get in the car and he'd say, hey, Brooke, how's your day going? And 
I love having that kid in my car and I'm always, always more than happy to take him around and give him a ride because that just, right. he's pleasant. So yeah. Like, sure. Hey. You want to go get, want to go grab some food too? Totally. We'll, we'll swing by a drive-thru on the way home. Totally. And he's, he, he really is. And, and by being that type of person, you're the kind of kid that parents and kids are excited to have around and, and that is good for you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so when you see kids mis- make mistakes, I mean, obviously not um, somebody else's kids, probably if they're <laughs> in your car. Um, hey, you could probably talk a little bit more. Right. Um, but, but what is the best way to handle that, like with your own children? So one of the biggest reasons I wrote these books were for my children. And I wrote them because I wanted a non-confrontational way to be able to share some of these manners with my kids. The problem with constantly correcting is that it often um, breeds some dissonance in a relationship where a child feels like all their parents do is correct them. But a parent really does feel like they need to make sure their kids are prepared for the world. And so they end up correcting a lot. So I wrote these books to take away some of that offense from kids. So instead of us doing the manner um, when they're not polite in a car, we've done the manner, you know, when when that situation hasn't arisen already. So it's a really neutral ground for us to talk about things. And they don't feel like I'm just like dumping on them. It's an opportunity for us to all learn together. And as I share the manner, I can share things about me, like when I didn't do that or when my husband didn't or when there was a kid in the car where you're like, you know, like I shared that experience with my son's friend. It's always so fun to have Hinkley in my car because of this. You know, I'm happy to give him rides all the time. And and that can be really helpful to be able to talk about these manners and these directions and these corrections without it being in the moment and really personal, because I've noticed at least with my kids, maybe not every kid is like that kids immediately get defensive about it and they don't want to listen. But when you do it, when it's not a defensive time, I feel like it's really useful. And one of the things that I've seen from my kids and from others is they feel, um, they kind of feel like they know something that others don't know almost. Like they're, like they have a cheat code, like they're in the know. And it feels really good for them to be like, hey, I know how I'm supposed to act in a car. I know that when I go into someone's house, I should ask if I need to take my shoes off and that I don't just open their fridge and take their food, you know, those types of things. Right. Um, they feel really confident going into a situation. There's, there's a manner about how to be a good, um, how to be a good restaurant customer and know how you like your eggs cooked. You know, how do you like your steak so that you're not 17 and texting your mom being like, how do I like my steak cooked? Right. Those are just things that's nice to know beforehand. Yeah, for sure. I love that restaurant modeling because I I remember, you know, when my kids were super young too, that, you know, we'd go to the restaurant and my my son would try and like tell me his order, you know, and I'm like, no, you tell the waitress your order. I'm like, yeah. I don't need to be the like relay person here. Well, and it's it's great for us as parents. And then it's also awesome for them as kids because they have the confidence to give their own order. And if they go to dinner with a friend or with a grandparent, they know how to order. And that's just something that's really great. I mean, we have seen kids at prom who are like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to, I like my steak cooked, right? That's a little embarrassing with your date when you're like, I don't know, what does that even mean? (laughs) Rare? I don't know. Why is this? I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Just make it like it's brown. That's that's what I want. Yeah. (laughs) How it, that's what you order. Um, I wanted how my mom cooks, right? Right. So like, yeah, mom. I don't know that. <laughs> so these are really great ways for them to to have experiences that boost their confidence. Yeah, for sure. So and we've already talked about a lot of things that we can do as an adult, but is there anything that we've missed that we can do as adults to make sure we're setting better examples of etiquette and manners? Yeah, I think just being cognizant of of what we're doing and, and how we're acting. Um, my husband is really great at being aware. I am less good at being aware. And so he's great at helping our kids, you know, say, like, move to the right. Like, there's a car that's trying to pass through. Or 
um, hold that door open. Somebody's coming behind you. That's another matter. Hold the door open. Right. Uh, are we, you know, we were in an airport that was really crowded and getting on a shuttle and he reminds them somebody else could use that seat more than you could, you know, just doing that, but then also modeling it. He's great at modeling those things. Um, I feel like I try really hard to model social awareness and, you know, reading the room. That's, it's a manner. Um, one of my favorite manners in the second book is learn to take feedback, which means that when I get feedback from my kids, I need to model how to take that well and not be defensive and not dismiss it, but, you know, engage in that conversation. So there's a lot that we can do through modeling. Um, I obviously think the books are an awesome tool for families to be able to work together on manners and and being more aware socially, emotionally, physically, all those things. So um, and then another thing that I would just suggest is to also um, helping your teens understand. I think you do this really well with technology that you're on their side, but it's not you against them in their phone, but it's you and your teen against anything that's keeping them from reaching their potential, which can be a phone and it can be other things too, but that you're really dedicated to that work together. And they won't always understand that or feel that in every decision, but hopefully overall, they'll know that even if they don't like what, you know, whatever parameter you're putting up or maybe a, a new condition or rule, but that in the end, it really is for their good. Yeah, I, I always tell my my kids that my entire job is to make sure they are adults. Like, yeah, when you are an adult, I want you to like, you know, fly away and leave the nest and be like a productive member of society. So everything I'm teaching you is kind of like bringing you to that goal. And so um, I like what you said there, where you're just trying to make sure they understand, you know, how to live in the world with technology yep. because technology is not going anywhere and yep. it's going to help them but they need to understand how to help how to let it help them instead of hinder them yeah my husband always says that technology should be my tool yeah and it should not own me it's it's my tool i use it to accomplish the things i need to accomplish i should never feel like technology is owning me whether that's you know replying right away or answering every phone call or just being sucked into an algorithm on an app. Like he, he's a really good example of putting technology in its proper place where he is the master of it instead of feeling like he's being mastered by it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, I think one thing we can model and uh, it sounds like you guys do this well as well. Um, you know, if, if my kid comes to like talk to me about something I can put my phone down and look them in the eye and like talk to them instead of just like, uh-huh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, just making sure I have that interaction. Um, my aunt, who I, you know, is the like ultimate example of like a mom, like ever. Love it. And <laughs> a long, long, long time ago, she was talking to me about how like how anytime she's doing anything, well, all of her children are brilliant. And I was asking her one day, like, how are all of your children completely brilliant? And um, and she was like, anytime they were coming up to me, whether I was playing the piano or I was doing something else or sewing or whatever, it didn't even really have to do with technology. She's like, I'd stop what I'm doing and, you know, turn to them, look them in the eye and like and talk to them. And she said, I think that's the one biggest thing I did growing up is to just like make sure they under like they feel heard and that you're like talking to them. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that, especially with teens. They don't always, you know, my husband and I always talk about how they don't really revolve around your schedule of like when you want to talk and when you want to have the conversation. And so being available when they're ready and when they're willing, I think goes a long way, which sometimes is later at night than we want it to be. Yeah. And not everyone is programmed to be able to be that late night person, but take advantage of those times for sure. Yeah. And then I back to manners with that, though, I do try and make sure they understand if you're interrupting something, you know, I might need to finish what I'm doing first. Um, or like, or wait until I am done with something before you approach me, you know, or if I'm having a conversation with other adults, you know, don't just come in and, you know, start spouting off or anything like that, you know, making sure they're aware of the situation as well. 
Yeah. And, and I think, so I am, um, I have a 52 modern manners for today's kids that is coming out. So for ages four to 12 and it's really fun, but one of those is about interrupting because I think it's, there's a fine line between being entitled to attention all the time and being respectful. And I think that's where those manners come in again, is the awareness of, you know, what is the situation and not expecting that, you know, the world bows to you all the time and anytime you want something that everyone is readily available. But I think your aunt probably did a great job at being able to show her kids, you know, like you matter, I'm listening, this is important. And then I'm sure there were times when it was, when she was involved in a conversation or doing something that was very important where, and her kids were fucking to wait too. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so you don't have to be like every time, oh, okay, wait, I need to stop everything that yeah. I'm doing. Yes. And yeah. make sure I give the attention. But yeah, um, knowing that difference where like, okay, you know, helping them understand, okay, this is a, a time where you're not, you shouldn't be interrupting. So yes. Yeah. Yep. So is there anything we missed uh, talking about manners and technology and all of the, the fun? I just loved it. There was only one thing that I realized that we didn't touch on and it, it was another technology manner and it was to take your AirPods out. So yes, it's really difficult. And this is something that I think teens can struggle with. There was an interesting study done that one of the biggest barriers to, for teenagers to feel connected was the constant wearing of headphones. And if you think about that, it makes a lot of sense because you're not really in your world if you have your AirPods in and if you're tuned into something else. And so they said, especially after COVID, one of the biggest problems with connection was that teens were wearing headphones. And they thought that was making them feel connected and present, but it was really turning off any opportunities for real in-person connection. And so as we get closer to the start of school, I know it can be really popular to throw those in. Um, but I think there's a lot of teens that are really struggling feeling connected but it's almost impossible for anyone to connect with you if you have AirPods in. You can't hear. You don't know what's going on around you. You don't look available. And sometimes being someone that looks available is one of the most important things for people to be willing to try to connect with you. So I'm a huge fan of helping our teens realize that there's a time for AirPods, um, cleaning your room, you know, going on a run. Those are great times to throw AirPods in. But Really, if you are in a room with people, your first priority should be them, which means your AirPods should be out. I love, love, love that you mentioned this because totally not something that was top of my mind, but absolutely. Because and even when you're out and about, I mean, and I'm going to say adults can definitely benefit from this advice as well. You know, was when when you're even talking to somebody like you run into them at the grocery store or whatever. And they have your present. You're like, wait, are you talking to me or are you talking to somebody else? Or like, it's 100%. so hard to tell, you know, what's happening. And even because and we have a tendency to leave them in because we can have that ambient noise. And like, so we can still hear what's going on, but you can't hear like super well with them in. Yeah. And, well, and and I think it turns people off. So if I see a friend at the grocery store who has her headphones in, I'm much less inclined to go up and say hello and have a conversation, it looks like she's busy. And so I like to remind teenagers that that is how people might be feeling about you if you're the person with AirPods in all the time. It looks like you're too busy or or unwilling or you just don't want to connect. And so take them out, look up, you know, smile at someone, say hello, whatever that is. I think you'll feel so much more connected and then save those AirPods for times when you're truly on your own listening to a book, listening to great music. It's, it's amazing. AirPods are amazing, but um, there's a definitely a time and a place for them. And I think we have to realize that they can really stop our opportunities for connection. That is such a, such a great, like we might have to do a short on that because that like the, the, the jewel of this whole conversation is right at the end. Like, <laughs> right at the end. Make sure you stay tuned all the way to the end. Uh, but yeah, right. that's such a great point because it, it, even for adults, it's, it's just limiting. And I think, you know, kind of touching back to what we were talking about even in the beginning was, you know, this human interaction where we need to, you know, make sure that we are talking to people and having these like, you know, human interactions instead of 
just being on the phone, like in the car and everything like that, you know, so taking out the headphones and making sure you're talking to people. Yeah, I think I, I really think, you know, one of the one of the biggest reasons I do what I do is to encourage connection. I think we've seen study after study, especially after COVID, that people are struggling with it. And it doesn't matter how old you are, people are struggling with feeling connected. And I think, you know, by doing a couple of these simple things, like we talked about manners, headphones, you know, being present, all those things can really help others, but also really help us feel like we're living the life that we really want to live. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Brooke. Where can people get your book? Where can they find out more about you? Oh, I would love to share that. Thanks for asking. Um, both books are on Amazon. Um, Modern Matters 2 is actually also in Costco in Utah, Idaho, and Arizona. And then I'm really active on Instagram at Brooke Romney Writes. We have an awesome community of parents and teenagers who are really, really helpful and supportive of each other as we just try to navigate the teen years and try to do it with as much connection and emphasis on relationships as we can. That's awesome. Yeah, so go check out her book. Like, take the next year and go through all 52 and then do the next year and go through the other 52. So, yeah, um, and go back to volume one because we all forget them. <laughs> right. And then for sure, get the kids one when it comes out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that. Super fun. Where everybody wanted to start earlier than the teen years. And I think it was a great idea. So, I and it's actually really important to get it started, you know, that early too, because you know, like we've mentioned, there's a lot of things we're just kind of forgetting that we're not modeling anymore. And yeah. so we need to like consciously model it. And it's so much easier, right? If it's just part of who you are and not something you have to learn. So right. I feel like the earlier we can start and then continue to emphasize and model, the better for, for us and then for everybody that gets to interact with us. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time, Brooke. It was awesome to talk to you. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Thanks for all you do for tech. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Family Tech Talk. Please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review if you are listening on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. I am Family Tech on all platforms and respond to all of my DMs. You can also become one of my techs by joining the Facebook group, our subreddit, or the Discord server. Just search any platform for Family Tech and you'll be sure to find the community.